Yeah. Okay. One, two, three, one, you two, three. You can do the intro. I have no idea what's happening on the show this week. Good morning. What was it? Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. What is happening, everybody? My name is Chris. I'm Paul. And welcome to your weekly episode of That Tattoo Show. It's a podcast and it's on YouTube and it's on Spotify. It is on other platforms, but we don't really talk about those because Spotify and YouTube are, are, are the main ones, really, aren't they? <laughs> well, Apple Apple Music is another one. We do quite we do quite well on Apple Music. We do okay. I got there. myself in the mood for today. We put this show out on a Sunday. We record it on a Tuesday evening. Like for lunch today, I had a cook dinner to get myself in that Sunday fucking vibe. <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> we digress. Um, so this week on the show, we're going to be what are we talking about? I've got a little announcement I want to make about comments. We've got a couple of comments we're going to go through. So uh, and then I want to ask you about something. See what you think about an idea that I've got. Uh, we've got some tattoo news. Yeah, bit of tattoo news. I wanted to touch slightly back on the AI topic as well. All right, we'll have a little catch up on the uh, on the AI conversation, and then I think we were going to have a conversation about uh, tattooer versus tattoo artist. Ooh. Who's the coolest? Who are the real tattooists? And does it even fucking matter? But so I guess first and foremost, uh, it's time for the news. Chris. Yes. What's in the news, mate? Okay, so Cheyenne have just released a 2.5 millimeter version of the Soul Over Unlimited. I think that's going to be like some people are going to be kind of like really like fuck yes. Some people are probably going to whinge about it. It is what it is. But if you did want to go for the Soul Over and you didn't like any of the options that they've got, they now have 2.5 mil, which is good for black and grey. What options did they have? Uh, they have a 3.5, four, and a five mil. The five mil is good for lining. The four is, I, I, I say, good all around there. I never really gone with the 3.5. So, you know, you got a nice variation. I still think, though, that companies, when they release wireless pens, they should give you the option to change the cams because I think, you know, spending, like, nearly four grand is going to be a massive struggle for a lot of people in the tattoo industry where it's like, I think a lot of people would be happier paying, like, 1,200 and having four or five cams that they can change as opposed to spending that much money on that many different machines. Like, Tatsol have released some Wrath Gel disposable grips for the Bishop 1. So if you are a Bishop user and you don't like the grip or the disposable grips that they have and you do like the Tatsol grips, they're going to be coming out soon. Also, raw pigments are now available at Star Tattoo Supplies. Paul needs to insert it. Yay! And you want to get hold of some raw pigments, you can get hold of it from Star Tattoo Supplies as well as from Sick Tattoo Supplies in Northern Ireland as well. And there are going to be more people that are jumping on board getting and stocking raw. Lastly, Save the Pigments have started a second petition. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't heard about this. All right, so Save the Pigments have started a second petition. Now, this petition is based on empirical data from recent months. And also, they believe that considerable problems are observed due to the inconsistencies in the analytical methods used by authorities. As a result, authorities in two countries have already initiated uh, RAPEX notifications, although they have used different analytical methods as opposed to those specified in the EU reach regulations. Yeah. So like from what I've looked online and from what I've read as well, it, uh, it's basically, it's things like, the reach regulations have specific guidelines what manufacturers have to make their products by. And what is happening now is they're not saying to all the member states in the European Union, 
right, these are the regulations, this is how you have to regulate it. They're kind of going, well, use the regulations, but then your country's law takes precedent. So then what's happening is certain countries are going, oh no, no, it has to say reach compliant on the bottle. But that doesn't say that in the reach regulations. So it go it's going against what the you know the reach directive is. So it's it's causing a lot of confusion. So basically there's there's lots of extra requirements and, and things like that that aren't generally or genuinely part of the reach regulations and it's causing a lot of issues. And I think what they're doing is they're using that to instigate the second petition and potentially using all the evidence that they've gathered. There's a lot of information on there because they're comparing like what Australia are doing and what the UK are doing. And I think they're gonna try and use it to hopefully extend the ban period on or the transition period on blue 15 and green 7 and then which will then obviously give us time to potentially get it reversed because with the whole european court of justice doing that reversal on the titanium dioxide because of the way the european commission basically fucked up and didn't an analyze it correctly you know they can't ban something based on a procedure that they've not done right so hopefully they could do the same because like you know i think australia aren't banning blue 15 at the moment the uk are not banning it well they've said they're not going to ban it unless there's evidence to prove that it's not safe so hopefully same thing will happen and it'll all get reversed in europe like so after three years of nonsense it'll all go back to what it was before we started yeah more, more. at which point i think the entire tattoo industry should be looking for reparations from the european court for the cost to our businesses do you know all right i'll be honest with you mate i think like other than the fact that blue 15 and green 7 are very you know they're needed they colors that it's been very difficult to find replacements for like people might not realize this but the removal of titanium dioxide would have fucked the tire industry up even worse completely yeah. yeah 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 manufacturers have said to us like without titanium dioxide they would have had to shut their businesses down all we would have been able to do is have like you know black and gray yeah um it's going to be an interesting one but yeah that, that's the news well done save the pigments uh you know everybody go and sign the petition head on over to instagram i mean from what i can tell the only guys that are really fighting our corner for us at the moment so um fair play to them and more power to them you know get over there and sign the petition they're trying to help us out let's help them out you know oh yes 100 percent I don't, I don't think there is any other is there anything else in the news oh, i'll tell you one piece of what might, might be really good news jhs pedals might be uh, releasing a, a clon clone uh, for the first time since 2014, which would be really, you know, if you're a guitar player out there, it'd be another clon clone for you. So there you go. Uh, Happy I think they're going to do the, the Centaur and the KTR, so that would be really good. That would be really interesting. No, I... <laughs> And I'm, I'm like speaking to like four people watching the show right now. They're Everybody like, yes. else is going, huh? <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, what? I was like, are they making like a tattoo pedal or something? <laughs> yeah, so that's the news. No, uh, yeah, uh, some, some, hopefully good news. I, I always think with that reach stuff, I'm like, fucking, here we go again. You know, it's just, I know they, they didn't do it properly in the first place, and there's going to be all this backtracking now, and it's just annoying. But there you go. Hopefully they'll backtrack it and put it all back. Here I go again. Yeah, here we go again. Or um, the share song, If I Could Turn Back Time. Oh, fuck, I know. You wanted to go over a couple of questions that we'd had on the show, didn't you? Yeah, well, this I think you wanted to go over the comments. But before we get into that, right, um, we get a lot of comments on the show. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Um, but occasionally, they're the kind of question they require a slightly more detailed answer. And so I was thinking... Next year, I might try and do a show that is tentatively titled FAQ Fridays with Paul, where I answer 
some of the questions that you guys ask throughout the month uh, in a longer format show and I can go into stuff and where, where necessary demonstrate some of the things that you know, are required to answer the question and stuff, you know? So what I was thinking, A, if you think that's a good idea, say, that's a really good idea. You know, if you think it's a really bad idea, please say, oh, I think that's a really bad idea. Um, just answer them on this show. But if you'd like to have one of your questions answered in a bit more detail, when you comment down below, don't forget, like and comment and ring the bell and all that business. When you write your comment, start the comment with the three capital letters F-A-Q. And then what I can do, I'll know that you would like me to answer that in the FAQ show, yeah. potentially, if we decide that that's what we're going to do. And then I can look at the kind of things that I'm being asked. I'm thinking, you know, when people go, I'm really struggling to connect my iPad to my, you know, brother printer. I can go through it with somebody, connect an iPad, film it, show you how it works, or, you know... I've had a couple of questions about left-handed tattooing and how do you hold your machine and so I can, you know, just demonstrate it and, and I'll do it downstairs in the shop, you know, while I'm tattooing and stuff, you know. So um, if you think that's a good idea, let us know in the comments down below and we'll we'll see what we can do next year. So have you got any comments that you, um, that you wanted to pick up on? So I don't know if this would be better off for an FAQ, but somebody dropped us a message on our Instagram, Alexanto tattoo so right. what is happening uh, I have replied and I did say that look me and you would discuss it he says hey guys big fan of the show not sure if you take suggestions on here about what topics to discuss but I thought a good one could be finances taxes VAT and dealing with accountants going through a bit of a thing at the minute uh, with mine and would be great to get some insight and keep up the great work so appreciate the comment and the message thank you yeah and I think it's, it's mostly like about dealing with an accountant if they're not explaining things in a manner that you understand yeah. a limited company going VAT registered and things like that so like I don't know like an initial thing I would when, when I initially read that I was like well I think first things first you should always have like a good relationship with your with your accountant and you should be able to speak to them for sure but I, I'm only a sole trader so I thought like you know because you've got a limited company and all that you, you're probably a bit more knowledgeable on the topic when I was a sole trader I did all my own accounts because they're reasonably straightforward when you're a sole trader you can pretty much do them yourself you know there's lots of tools this is UK specific advice I can't talk for other countries around the world right because obviously my business is based and we're not in the giving UK. financial advice as well no it's, it's not financial advice at all so there's lots of tools through HMRC uh, for you to do your own accounting um online and all that sort of stuff. Really, if you're running the thing as a sole trader, uh, you don't really need an accountant. Most accounting is good record keeping, so it's like keep all your receipts, make a note of everything, get an idea of what you can and can't claim for and what the rules are. And then when I got into the, the whole limited company uh, business, uh, which I had to set up uh, to protect me from, you know, a, a couple of ex-spurious uh, employees, if you like, or, you know, people that worked in my shop that were, weren't were behaving very well. So I, I was in a very, very dodgy position. So the safest thing to do was to become a limited company because then limited companies, you have, oh, as a director man. of the company, you have limited liability. So... Um, somebody can't promise things on your behalf and then run away and leave you holding the baby, right? Yeah. You know, like... I know you've got a you know you've got a distance from it. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it was not a nice situation to be in. It's very stressful and fucking expensive, which is why, you know, whenever you get people working in a studio, be very careful who you have working in a studio because some uh, tattooists are cut. Uh, so I immediately got an accountant um, who's my accountant is absolutely great. I have a good relationship with him. Uh, he's also 
a part of a scheme that protects me as um, as a client, that if he was to sign me up to a, an accountancy scheme, to say, to save me loads of money, and then it turned out to be fraudulent or illegal, a bit like what happened to, was it Jimmy Carr that got in trouble with, with taxes because he was part yeah. of a, a scheme? <laughs> yeah. That was one of those schemes that it was purely, it's perfectly legal to do, but they, they closed the loophole that these accountants were taking advantage of. And so a few people got caught out by it. Well, now, most good accountants won't do that kind of Hollywood accounting thing. It is iffy and dangerous. Oh, yeah, totally. If my accountant was to give me some advice uh, that was like that, and then it turned out that it was bad advice, then actually the cost of that you know, the fines and everything is on my accountant, not on me. Because ah. right, I go, well, look, look, this guy told me that's what i got to do. And they go, okay, well, we'll take this up with your accountant then, right? So I'm protected from, you know, getting involved in something that I maybe don't understand fully and all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, some of the stuff that accountants do, I look at it and go, okay, I kind of understand what you've done, but I don't understand mm. how that saved me fucking 50 grand but yeah. like thank you I'm glad you did but then if that turned out to be now illegal way of saving say 50 grand then I wouldn't be in trouble my accountant would be yeah what I did was I contacted there's a small business uh, group that you can join and I think it's like the Federation of Small Businesses or something it's called oh the FBS we, we, yeah we, we've joined yeah that. so I joined that then I contacted them and asked them if they had a list of accountants in my area that were part of this Federation of Small Businesses or whatever it's called. And I would do that. And if you find yourself in a position where you're asking for clarity on some stuff and your accountant isn't really giving it to you, then my suggestion would be get to the end of the tax year, file your returns, and then at that point tell your accountant that you you, you no longer need them and find yourself a new one. Or find yourself a new one first and then tell them at the end of that year, you know, okay, I don't need your services anymore and find yourself a better situation. Um, it can be frightening, I think, for, for particularly for young tattooists getting into it or for people that have always been employed that are suddenly running their own business. There's lots of, like, scary um, potential pitfalls that you think are worrying. In all honesty, if you keep a good, accurate record of everything you've earned and everything that you've spent, you'll never be in, in any trouble, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's only really a problem when... You're earning 200 grand and you want to tell the sax man that you've only earned 10. You know, yeah. I mean, it just, just doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, you can't do that, you know? Do, do one thing I didn't realise as well, it's like, and I didn't realise this until I had an accountant, is if you've got an accountant and the tax inspectors come into your shop to do an audit, right? You can phone your accountant and if you've got a decent accountant, they can turn around to the auditors and be like, you, you cannot do anything until I come down. It gives you a certain level of protection when your books are made up properly and, and all that sort of oh, stuff. Yeah. If you're starting a limited company, then um, I would I would certainly look into that because when you're a sole trader, it's a much simpler business. It's like you take all the money you earn, take off all the money that it cost you to earn it, and then you declare that as your profit, and then they tax you based on that, right? Like a limited company, there are there are there's slightly different rules around it and what you can and can't do and what you can and can't claim for. Um, I actually think it's much more simple being a sole trader, but you're um, you're much more exposed to legal stuff yeah. if somebody has stolen a file off your computer for a gift card and two years after they've left your studio they are still printing fake gift cards and giving them to people to try and come and cash them in at your shop and threatening you with legal action that's when you want to have a limited company yeah some tattooists are c and some non-tattoo artist studio owners are 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also that way. You know, you can find yourself in situations like that where you'd be really exposed as a sole trader because you are liable for all of that. Whereas the director of a limited company, the limited company is um, it's a separate legal entity. Hope that helps you. Yeah, I hope that helps. I got another uh, comment for you. So this one is from, I think the name on you says... Holland Beck Josh one and the comment says hey guys can you make a video or what do you think if you work at a studio slash shop that isn't open enough open long enough to do the style you specialize in uh, so I may need to realism but I'm really slow because it takes time to build up those tones but the new shop I work at I love working there I really do but they only open for eight hours a day and by the time I do stencil breaks etc two stencil half breaks etc I have six hours to tattoo so I really haven't been able to do realism at the shop and I don't know what to do because he's happy then he doesn't want to leave now I've spoken to this guy I've had a look at his work I've showed it to Paul um so and, and I thought like you know you wanted us to discuss it well, let's discuss it um, what's your thoughts uh, studio opening hours at the studio opening hours break your tattoo into multiple sessions um, you can't expect the studio owner to open his tattoo studio to suit you uh, if you're happy there then those are the rules if they're open 9 to 5 and you can tattoo from 10 till 5 then or 10 till 4 then you've got to work out how to make it fit in 10 till 4 break it into multiple sessions break the tattoos down if you're working on things that are too big um, if you're new to realism and you're slow then uh, you will get quicker and there'll be more that you can do as you go along. But you can't expect the studio to to change the rules just for one artist. It's not going to work. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. It's like me phoning Tesco. Other supermarkets are available at four yeah. o'clock on a Sunday morning going, I'm outside, I wanted to buy some Twiglets. You're not open. Well, yeah. Well, can't you open for me? And I'm going, no, we've got the, the opening times are published on a board outside. That's when we're open, mate. Yeah, but I need to buy these Twiglets now. We're closed, mate. You have to go fucking somewhere else, wouldn't you? You know, I think if you raise this with the owner, they would quite rightly say, the opening times are the opening times. Tough shit. Break it into two sessions. That's what everybody else does. We just, if if I want to do a, a tattoo that's 16 hours long, then I break it into three lots of six or, you know, whatever it breaks down into. You just you just bust it up and that's just how you work. Imagine if the shop owner doesn't want to give their keys to other people. That means they have to stay in that shop longer. They have to keep the shop open longer, which is probably more of an inconvenience. People need to consider, take into consideration, you know, people have families. It's like, oh yeah, because you, you, you tattoo really slow, you know, I've got to fucking miss out on time with my child, for example. You know, they don't think about that. I mean, the other thing to consider as well is we all talk about how long it takes us to do the tattoo, but I think a lot of the time the thing that's forgotten is you're asking a client, if you're really slow and it's going to take you 12 hours to do something, you're asking a client to sit for 12 hours. Now, that's it's a hell of an ask for any client to sit for that length of time. Six is a really, really long time when you're under the needle and trying just yeah. to sit still and not be in pain when you're in pain, right? Oh, 100%. I quite often, you know, I'll get to, we'll be working on a, you know, a very painful area of the body and I generally do six hour days. But if my clients are struggling, I'll say to them, look, I'll give you the nod when we've got to a point that we could stop, when I've when I've basically got the stencil covered to a point where I'm, you know, I've got it lined out and I'm just gonna fill it. If you're struggling, like just let me know and we'll do a four-hour session, a three-hour session, because yeah. I won't put my clients through unnecessary amounts of pain. Like the tattoo can happen. It's I don't mind, it doesn't make any difference to me if it takes me three, three-hour sessions or one nine-hour session, right? Yeah. Because 
I want the client to be as comfortable as possible. And sometimes I think we don't have enough consideration for our clients. And yeah, I agree completely. I mean, there are clients out there that love it and they can sit like, they're like machines, man. And they can sit two yeah. days back to back, 14 hours a day, brilliant. But the bulk of people, after about four hours, they're starting to struggle with the tattoo, right? And you, you know, you need to get it done. And, you know, there's the old adage of get in, get the ink there and get back out again as quickly as you possibly can. Do the minimum amount of damage in and out that you possibly can. Either mark it all in in the first session, which will actually probably, and, and people don't realise this, like you know, if you mark the stencil in, especially with a black and grey piece, with a, like bloodline it, like line it or whatever, it takes the anxiety of losing your stencil away. Massively. So you're more relaxed, you're more productive, you probably speed up as well without realising it because when you're not marking it in, you're worried about smudging the stencil so you, you are tattooing slower, mark it in, bang it out, happy days. So I was like, yeah, so the two options you've got is either learn to be able to re-stencil it like, like say, like the likes of Nico Hurtado does. Like, you know, he'll do realism. He'll re-stencil it and stuff like that. And there's loads of other tattoos that do that. Or you mark it all in. So they, that's one thing you need to look at. The other side of it then is like how you approach that tattoo. What machines you use? What needles do you use? You know, certain machines and certain needles might have might be better for the tattoo that you're doing than others and will make you more efficient. So I think ultimately, like what I was trying to get across to, to, the, to the guy was what you need to do is look at how you're tattooing and how you can adapt your skill set to be more efficient, to plan and prepare better for the tattoos, for the clients, and then you can actually work around the shop and not try and make a shop work around you. Obviously, occasionally, we'll get to something where somebody's tattoos run over a little bit, they're 20, 30 minutes from finishing. Yeah, 20, 30 minutes. And you're like, yeah, okay, fine. But if it's consistently, I want to work 12 to 14 hour sessions, you're like, it's just not going to work. You know what I mean? It's, it's as simple as that. The only way that you can have that level of freedom is having your own private studio. That's the only way it works. Right, you'll have, have to learn to play ball, I'm afraid. There's no I in team. Nope. Is it time for this week's topic? Wait, you're the fucking one who wants to talk about this. Are you a tattoo artist or are you an artist or some shit like that, eh? I don't think this was my idea. I think this was your suggestion. Nah, are you sure? You were the one that said to me, all these artists looking down on the real tattooists. Like, it's not fair. It's no good. Is your early onset fucking Alzheimer's fucking kicked in or something? Like? I got early onset nothing. Are you sure? That's actually the conversation we had last week. You were moaning about these art degree wankers with, with all their degrees looking down on the hard-working craftsman tattooists. They never say that. You and I was like, well, to be fair, the donkey jacketed, like Arthur Daly, old schooler. I thought like, we've had this discussion already. We might have, I don't know. After the AI thing, like, I'm. I'm I don't sure, think this I, discussion's I, going very well so far. I don't think we can decide what this discussion's even about. This will be an interesting podcast. The podcast with no title. We're not sure what we're talking about. What's going on? Well, we decide, like, you wanted to be, I've forgotten, you wanted to touch on uh, the last week's episode about the AI. Yeah. Have you. Done what I did and fallen down the rabbit hole this week with like mucking about with AI since we talked about it because I have. I've been like sitting and watching Lord of the Rings, like fucking typing stuff in, and I've been trying things out and and like yeah, it, it, there's definitely like a knack 
to wording it right, you, but you've got to be very descriptive. That's why I, I was saying to you, I think AI prompt artist is going to become a job. People yeah. that are really good at describing things with words rather than with pictures, and they'll generate pictures. Yes, yeah, but I will say though, there's, it, it, it is limited. So I like what I wanted to touch on was like any 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 illustrator or graphic designer that's out there that may be worried that you know they they could lose their job. I seen a wicked meme the other day. It's like can AI you know AI can't draw hands like doing. And if AI can't draw hands, you're fucking good to go. Me and my missus were like typing stuff into it. Uh, and we really just, we were super descriptive about like, you know, what we wanted. And it was something really simple, like a realistic skull sitting, like slightly buried under something with beans and, and, and like, you know, all this stuff entwined around it. And what I got, right, was a face down picture, like a top down picture of a fucking skull, which is like really crappily drawn with coffee beans and a leaf. The other thing that AI can't do, it can't draw both eyes. It can usually do one of them, and it, unless, the, unless the subject is looking straight forward, uh, <laughs> once, it, once the face is on a slightly oblique angle, one of the eyes is always an absolute mess. You know, yeah. so it, 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 it does, it's got, it does do some weird stuff. But if you're using it just to get in the ballpark of an idea or a layout, just to use as inspiration for your actual artwork, just to go, does this work? Yeah. I'm mixing an album for my friend's band at the moment. And they said to me, hey, would you fancy doing the album cover? So literally in a group chat the other night, we were discussing the title then I pitched them the idea of a title and within five minutes I just generated a couple of rough ideas of the kind of thing that was in my head and went, look, this is just AI generated stuff, I'll do all this myself, but how about if it looked a bit like this? And they were able yeah. to look at the, the pitch and go, oh, that sounds like a really good idea for a cover. And then they were able to look at something in the ballpark to go, oh yeah, that's going to fit our vibe for the album, right? So I was able to give them an idea of like, this is kind of how I see it. For working with a client, they could look at stuff and go, I think it's a really brilliant image, but I don't, I don't think it suits our bands. You know what I mean? They went, it's too cinematic. That is, can we have something a little bit rougher and more collagey? So I, I managed to, you know, AI something together for them, and they went, yeah, yeah, that's the ballpark, that's the kind of look and feel. So we've got a title, we've got an idea of what the artwork's going to be all about, and we've got an art direction for it. And, and so those are all like the big decisions when you're working with a client. The rest of it is just making art now, right? Yeah. Well, that And so because I know the kind of thing they're after and the kind of thing they don't want, it's going to make making that album cover a lot easier. So I think, again, just using it as a tool, it's not going to generate finished artwork for a little while. It might do at some point, but right now it's a, it's a, it's a great tool for making quick versions of some stuff, give people ideas of where your head is. That's really for me. Coming back to what we're supposed to be talking about this week, at some point in the past, one of us, who we can't decide who it was, there was a conversation that went along the lines of this. One of us said to the other one, I'm annoyed or, you know, I've read uh, a, this group of tattooists being mean to this group of tattooists. And loosely, it fell into the tattoo artist's versus tattooers. Oh, it might have been someone off that tattoo shop talk. Might have been, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to say that Chris said this. I know he'll argue with it, but like, let, for the purpose of this conversation, let's just say that this was what Chris said to me, because this is my memory of it, right? Is that Chris said to me, he'd read something online and there was people saying, people who were proper tattooists or tattooers... Yeah, like traditional right, tattooists. Were, were annoyed, the traditional tattooer, whatever that is, was annoyed by the 
you know, art degree tattooists coming in and not being proper traditional tattooists, they don't count. But then on the other side of that, you've got the uh, the tattoo artist or the art, you know, the creative tattooist um, looking down on the traditional tattooist because all they do is trace flash. Right? Was was basically who's right, who's wrong, uh, and that was that was kind of what. I remember Chris saying to me. Yeah. As I said to you at the time, and as I'm going to say to you, I don't. I think it's it's not really anything more than an ideological argument. It's a pointless argument. It's very similar to the Mac versus PC versus yeah. Linux, Sony versus Canon, Marvel versus DC. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 who fucking cares, right? Loosely, I would divide tattooing. I would divide tattooists like this. You have a a traditional set of tattooists who, whose ideological standpoint is that tattooing is a craft and, and it's done by craftsmen and they employ the best of, best of their abilities as craftsmen to create beautiful artwork. And then the, uh, the other side of those people... You have everyone else there. Everyone else, right? It, it, they, they don't care what tools they use and how they do it. They're making art and it, the art is all that matters. And it do, the craft of it doesn't make any difference. The, the, how yeah. you get there doesn't matter. And it's a c completely different ideological standpoint. Yeah. Honestly, I'm like, my take on it is all of you, go and stand over there and get a fucking grip. You're all just tattooists. Like, just calm the fuck down, yeah. right? You're all just tattooing. You want to be happy that you're sitting around in a nice warm building, drinking coffee, talking shit with your mates and drawing, and you ain't got to be standing out in the cold, digging holes in the road. Like, you ain't got to worry about whether you're a tattooist, a tattooer, a tattoo artist, or anything. Terminology don't matter. Just make really, really nice tattoos for your clients and everything will be fine. And it doesn't matter. You're not a proper tattooist just because you use a coil machine. No. You're also not not a proper tattooist if you don't use a coil machine. The tool is the tool. It doesn't matter. And the people Do you know, out I would there argue as that well, are taking right? flash... Hang on a minute, because I'm on a roll. The people, <laughs> the people out there who are taking flash down off the wall and tracing over it, running it through the thermofax, those people, as far as I'm concerned, they, when they get so good at the craft that the finished result is so clean and so solid, there's art in that anyway. Yeah. I look at traditional tattoos done by really, really skilled, self-declared craftspeople, not artists, and I see art anyway. As a tattooist or a tattoo artist, as somebody that makes tattoos, whether it's traditional, whether it's you're an all-rounder or you are an artist, you know, the one thing that everyone needs to do is to become... And, and, and study the art of tattooing. Do you know I mean? And become good at the art of tattooing, yeah. which is the craft. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Because if you can become good at the art of tattooing, actually doing the tattoo, then it doesn't matter. You could one day turn around at traditional stuff. Another day, you could be doing like really arty stuff. But because you've got the skill set there... It, it, it ain't gonna matter. So yeah, you're right. The, the argument is 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 pointless. The beauty of this job is you can decide to be a, a traditional style tattooist, like it's the 1950s, and you've got flash all over the walls. People come in, they pick it. You do a beautiful job of it. You could be in a tattoo studio next door to that person. We're going, no, I paint everything on free hands using brushes, mm. and then I tattoo over them. 
neither of those people are right or wrong or better or worse than the other. They're just doing what suits them. Yeah. And I would say, do what suits you. If you like, you know, if you love tattooing and you don't mind what you tattoo, you just love tattooing and you love making beautiful tattoos for people, then do that. If you really have an art style and you really want to make art the way you see it, do that. Yeah. And don't feel like you've got to apologise to anybody for what you do. Do what suits you. You've got your own business. You're doing it yourself. Do what you want to do. As long as you can get clients and you do a good job and you don't get anybody sick, who fucking cares? Yeah. Do you know one thing I've noticed as well? It's like, you know... I actually, I I know I normally say like I'm sorry if I offend anyone, but I actually don't care if I offend anyone on this point. Like the majority, or not the majority, some of the people that I've seen that are very vocal about that, and 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 when I mean vocal, vocal in a negative way against people who are artists and tattooists, you know the one loyal to the coil. They're also the same type of people that I've witnessed. I told you about it and uh, that group chat I was on earlier on where, you know, the the crafts people, that the, the toxic craft people, I'm going to call them the toxic craft people, they are also the same people that are like, you know, oh my God, you should pay like $15,000 for an apprenticeship and you should work for me for free. And, you know, they, they're, the, they're those type of people. They, they're stuck in, in old values, not understanding that, you know, the laws and the regulations have moved on and you can't fucking have people working for free anymore. Right, so... Interestingly, I actually think that's more of a generational thing. When you think about the people that are, uh, that set up tattooing, like the modern tattoo world that we live in today, most of those people are baby boomers, which means they came through an era with no internet, no digital tools, tradition and craftsmanship were held in the highest regard. Yeah. Then you've got people from my generation I'm Gen X I've got one foot in the baby boomer era yeah. and one foot in the birth of technology so Betamax and VHS yeah. and things like that I'm, I'm like fucking Bean in it I was like I was born in it I was molded by the internet yeah so you're born into you, you, you were, were yeah. you were, but you were born at a time when technology was in its infancy yeah, but it saying. was around and you're you've gone all the way through yeah. this you see the attitude that the people that are that now would be the older guys in the tattoo studios oh believe it or not older than me right uh, their their thing is about respect to the craft and the tradition yes whereas if you speak to somebody who's 20 it's like no I'll get it done with whatever tools however yeah. quick I can because it's all about that it's all about the hustle and getting moving but we, we kind of have a little of column A and a little of column B right and we're going to become the tattoo shop owners of the future no what I was going to say is the it's 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 the generational thing, I get that completely, but it's then they're then passing it down to their apprentice and their apprentice, and they're passing down the same outdated values. They're not moving on with it. So what I was getting at, it's a, a lot of these people that are like you know loyal to the coil, craft, craft, craft. Yeah, are the same types of people that I've seen. I'm not saying you all are. They are the same types of people that I've seen that are in this group who are also of the same opinion that you should pay 15 grand, come and work in my shop, like, you know, fucking nine till fucking 12 o'clock in the night, fucking for free. You should wash my car. You know, you should let me berate you and, and all that stuff. And they're doing it without realizing it's illegal. Like, I just, uh, I... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just think, like, as, as somebody that is a shop owner and who's been tattooing for as long as I've been tattooing, and I look at, you know, you know me, I've been through fucking shit with a few, a few people, and I'm like, 
when I look at tattoo artists like that are, you know, taking the fucking piss, taking the piss out of their apprentices, trying to kind of like pull a fast one. The, the way I look at it is if is this, is it, it's as if I'm like, you're a bad representation of the tattoo industry. You know, people like that are going to cause problems for us as an industry. It's like the terrible parent who was at, who had a terrible childhood who treats their children like shit, and then and then wonders why their children are vile human beings. It's like, well, because you didn't learn the lessons of the past. <laughs> it's a bit of a non-argument, as far as I'm concerned. So to summarise, it doesn't matter, as far as we're concerned. If you're loyal to the coil or you're rocking a rotary, it doesn't matter if you're a baby boomer, Gen X, uh, a millennial or Gen Z. It doesn't matter if you're a craftsman, it doesn't matter, or, or woman, or craftsperson, I guess it is these days, or an artist. It doesn't matter if you've got a degree or no degree. It doesn't matter if you did an apprenticeship or not. Every one of you, you're all just a tattooist. Fucking get over it. Like, just calm the fuck down. Stop going on the internet so much and you'll get your life back. Uh, that's basically it. That's all I can really say about it is, you're just a tattooist. Just do nice tattoos and shut up about it and stop worrying about it. That's what people need to fucking realise. That's all we are. Like. You know, you're living the dream, for fuck's sake. Like, just be happy with that. It's fine. You know, that'll do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this whole conversation just go round and round. So with that, I hope that's been a bit of food for thought. I hope it's made sense. It hasn't made a lot of sense as we've been talking about it, as you can imagine. But occasionally we have one of those episodes. I'm just going to put it down to mince pie poisoning uh, near Christmas and far too much mulled wine. Oh. Yeah, and with that, this has been That Tattoo Show. I've been Paul. And I've been Chris. We've been your purple handed preachers and we'll see you next oh, week, yeah. guys. Take care. Ooh. Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> Tra. Tra.